Welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. My name's Chad. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you're with us this morning. We are going to wrap up our series this morning entitled Locker Room Talks because every once in a while when our backs are against the wall, when our chips are down, we need a coach, we need a leader, we need a family member to, to inspire us, to instruct us, to help remind us what really matters in life. And it's been fun for me to look back on these last few weeks and remind us and remember some of these famous locker room talks, some of these meaningful talks that leaders of old have given us. If you remember, we started off with President Bush as he stood before the rubble about 10 years ago, and he talked to the rescue workers as too well as the nation. He says, we hear you. And he motivated us, he inspired us to overcome the challenges that we faced as a nation. And then we looked at General Patton, if only for a moment, that speech, that rousing speech that he gave in World War II as his men were going off into battle. And then just last week, we looked at this young girl, Mia Gerald, as she spoke to the Gopher football team at the beginning of their football season, and she reminded them that life is a gift and that every day is like sprinkles on a cake. It's been fun. It's been meaningful to look back at some of these inspirational, motivational locker room talks from people, but also in the scriptures where we looked at the teachings of Jesus and of Moses, and we heard Jesus in week one say, Go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, All authority has just been given to me. I've overcome death. I've overcome your greatest fear. Now I want you to go. And after that week, some of you came up to me and says, You know what? Now I'm more aware of some of the people in my life that are distant from God, and I want to pray for them. I want to invest in them. And one of you said, you know, that was a good locker room talk for me to, to remind me of God's mission in my life to reach out to my neighbor, my co-workers, my friends, and the people in my family. See, that was week one. And then, then the second week, we, we heard these words from Jesus when his disciples were still trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. He says this, uh, he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus says, I don't want you to do things. I don't want you to go through religion. In fact, I want you to lose your religion, and I want you to give him my heart. And I want your heart to be full of mercy and compassion. I want you to do something. As a result of what God has done, as a result of what Christ has done, I want you to show mercy and compassion to the hurting and the hungry. And that's where the do something motto, that do something campaign started. And we got our little wristbands that says, we want to do something. And some of you came up to me and says, you know what, I want to do something. I want to do something on behalf of the, the, those living in extreme poverty. Uh, one person came up and says, you know what, I'm going to give up pop for the next few months and use the money that I would spend on pop to give to those that are hungry. I want to do something uh, to, to help people in sex trafficking. I want, to, I want to find a way to provide for those that need clean water. Uh, one person says, I'm not going to drive to work. I'm going to ride my bike to work and use the money that I would spend on gas in order to, to raise some money to do something for those living in extreme poverty. I want to do something. I want to be a person of compassion. So that was week two. We, we, we talked about that. And then last week, we, we learned from Moses that that great commandment where Moses says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says, now that you've learned that God is one, he's perfect, I want you to love God. I want you to love God because he loves you. He made the first move. He, he invested in you. He gave us one of the son. Now I want you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And one of you came up to me last week and says, that was a kick-butt sermon last week, you know. That, that was kick-butt because now I know more about God's love. His amazing, unconditional, no-strings-attached kind of love. Because he has no needs, he can love me without conditions. And we were moved 
to love God. We were inspired by the words of Moses to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And this week we're going to wrap up Moses' speech, his locker room speech to his people before they entered into the promised land. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, page 178 in your pew Bibles. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Moses is coming to the end of his leadership. He's already led the people out of Egypt, out of slavery. He's already passed through the Red Sea. He already wandered through the desert for 40 years. And the people are just about to enter into the promised land. And he gives them one final locker room talk. One thing that they need to remember as they enter into the promised land that the people have been waiting for, longing for, for all their lives. So then we enter into this talk in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, as Moses speaks to the people. This final locker room talk, because every team, every nation, every family needs a leader to stand up and speak words of inspiration and instruction. In times when our backs are against the wall, times when we're not quite sure what to do, in times when we don't know clearly what it means to follow God, we need someone to rise up and speak words of inspiration and instruction. And this is Moses' final locker room talk to his people before they enter into the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's what we talked about last week. There's not multiple gods, there's one God. One God, he's perfect, he's he's self-sufficient, he has everything he needs to be God. And because he's God, he loves us. And, And so Moses starts off, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, Now notice Moses did not say, Hear, O individual person. He didn't say, hear, O Bill, or hear, O Mary, or hear, O Jack, or Julie. He didn't say, hear, O individual person. He said, hear, O community of faith. Hear, O people of God. Hear, O followers of Elohim. Hear, O Israel. He didn't instruct an individual to follow him. He instructed this community to follow him. See, God never calls us just to himself. He always calls us to community. God never calls us just to himself. He always calls us into community. He adopts us into his family. He invites us to join the movement of God. Isn't that what Jesus said when he was walking along the beach and he saw the fishermen or when he saw Matthew, the tax collector, he said, Laka Harai. He said, come follow me. Come join my community, my team, my people. Come follow me. Come join this community of faith. Because Christianity is never a a private spirituality. Christianity is never a jam session. You know, it's just Jesus and me. You know, I just have this relationship with Jesus. And I just, it's never a jam session. It's always a, a jaw session. It's Jesus and we. He always calls us into community. He always calls us to participate in the community of faith bigger than our own relationship with God, he calls us to the context of community. Now, certainly it includes personal faith. Certainly we're, we're called to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, but it's always in the context of community. In verse 5, Moses continues. And he says, Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. These commands I give you are to be upon your hearts. I want these on your hearts. This is our personal relationship with God. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't end there. Moses immediately goes to verse 7 and press them on your children. 
Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. There's no such thing as a private spirituality when it comes to Christianity. It's always in the context of community. And most often when we hear this particular passage of Scripture, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, we apply this text to parents. And that is helpful. Parents are called and expected to impress the teachings of God upon their children. But that's not who Moses is talking to, right? Who is Moses talking to? The people, the community. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O people of God. Hear, O church body. Here's what I'm instructing you to do. This is how I want you to live out your love for God. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the very next thing I want you to do is impress the commands of God upon the next generation. Meaning we as a community of God are to impress the teachings of God upon our children. We have a responsibility as the church to teach the next generation about who God is and what it means to follow God. All of these children are ours, not just the children in our home, not just the mouths that we feed. All of the children that make up Maple Grove Covenant Church are ours. They're our children, whether we're married or single or grandparents or parents, they're all our children. One of the things that we do here at Maple Grove Covenant Church, one of the traditions that we have, is that we baptize and we dedicate our children. It's a wonderful tradition. Maybe some of you have done it. It's a wonderful sacrament that we engage in. And Lynn, our children's director, and I meet with the parents and we talk about what that means. And then during the the worship service, we have the parents come up. I'm sure some of you have seen it. And then I usually read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and following. And then I ask, or Lynn rather, asks the uh, parents the following questions. She asks them uh, these questions. She says, will you choose this day to live with the commands of God on your own hearts? And the parents say, we will. Do you accept responsibility to be the primary faith influencer and to oppress the truths of God upon uh, your children in your life together? And they say, we will. And will you pray for your son or daughter to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior? And she asks them a few questions, more questions. They say, we will. And if you remember, I then stand before you. And I ask you these two questions. Will you partner with these parents by praying for them as they lead their children spiritually? Will you partner with these parents by teaching their children and modeling a Christ-like lifestyle in support of what the parents are teaching and modeling? And those of you that, that are here for that, you answer by saying... We will. We will do that. We will partner with these parents. We will teach and model a Christ-like lifestyle. And why do we do that? Because the parents can't do it alone. Because the parents were never designed to impress the teachings of God upon their children alone. That's the job of us. That's our responsibility given to us by God to impress the teachings of God upon our children. It's our job. We love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the very next thing Moses tells God's people to do is to invest, to impress the teachings of God upon the next generation. See, Moses was inspired 
Moses gathered his people together. He was his, his last locker room talk. He says, this is what I want you to remember as you enter into the promised land. I want you to remember that God is one. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then I want you to impress the teachings of God upon all the children in our community. Now, I'm not sure if you are aware of some of the challenges that our young people face. I've been doing some research and studying. I've read two books. One's called Hurt, and the other is called The Price of Privilege. Two excellent books. Highly recommend them. The books are also in our library. And I've been researching, understanding what some of the challenges are that our young people face. And one trend among scholars is that many of uh, is that the length between childhood and adulthood is growing. Now, in the 40s and 50s, the time between childhood and adulthood was relatively short. Most people understood when they were a child and then how they transitioned to adult. They were able to answer questions like, who am I? Where do I belong? What is, what, what, what is my calling in life? What am I going to do with my life? They answered questions of identity and belonging and calling in a relatively short amount of time. And then in the 70s and 80s, a new word entered into our vocabulary. It's called adolescence. And adolescence is that developmental stage between childhood and adulthood. In the 70s and 80s, that started to grow. That was my growing up years in the 70s and 80s. And in that time, adolescence was about five to seven years where young people were still asking and answering those same questions. Who am I? My identity. Where do I belong? Who cares about me? And what am I going to do with my life? What's my calling? And that started to lengthen. And, and those questions got a little bit more confusing. And then now today, according to research, this stage of life called adolescence is even longer. It's moved from five to seven years, and so now it's up to 15 years that our young people are struggling to answer these questions about who am I, identity, where do I belong, and what do I bring to the table, what's my calling in life. In fact, the, the average age for adolescence for, for a, a young woman to come out of adolescence is in their late 20s, early 30s. And for men, it's about their, their, their late 30s and even into early 40s. So make sure you don't remodel the basement too quickly. Because our young people are going through adolescence through a much longer period of time. The world is changing. And according to the book Hurt by, by uh, Chap Clark, he describes our children as busy, stressed out, exhausted, hyper, and they wonder if anybody cares about them. They wonder if anybody cares. They're growing up in a culture where their identity and worth is based on what they do, how they perform in school, or how they do in athletics. That's where their worth and value comes in. It's based on conforming to the pressures of their peers or the images that they see uh, uh, projected upon them. And according to Chap Clark, this sociologist and theologian, he says there's one word to describe our young people today, and that's the word hurt. They're hurting. That this time of adolescence is lengthening because they're having a hard time figuring it out. Who am I? What what do I bring to the table? Where do I belong? And if you were to ask some of our young people here today, say, does this describe you? They might say, yeah. And maybe it's not me in its totality, but maybe it's my friends or the, or the kids in my class or that I run with in my, my athletics. This is the generation that is coming up. And I tell you this this morning because we are responsible for our children. Because Moses says to, hear, to us, he says, Hear, O Israel, 
Hear, O church, hear, O Maple Grove Covenant Church, I want you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then I want you to care for the next generation. I want you to impress the teachings of God upon the children. I want you to raise them up. I want you to invest in them. I want your hands to be upon their lives. See, God's word to us this morning is parents, you're not alone. Single parents, you're not alone. Young people, you're not alone. You have a church that cares about you that loves you, that wants to invest in you, to answer some of those challenging questions of life about identity, about calling, about what I bring to the table. See, Moses, as we read this locker room talk, his last locker room talk, he says, love God and impress the teachings of God upon your children. And just like we stand with with parents during a baptism or during a child dedication, we stand with our young people throughout their, their child rearing. We believe in you. We love you. We want you to hear these words, to know that God loves you and invest in you in a way that makes sense so we can have those conversations to help you answer those tough questions of adolescence. So Moses says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says this, after he says, um, at least he says, impress them on your children. And then he says this, Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He says, love God, impress them on your children, the commands of God. And then the very next thing Moses tells God's people is to talk. Talk to your kids. Talk to the when you're walking along the road. Talk to them when you're lying down. Talk to them. Put them as, tie them as symbols on, and bind them on your door frames. He says, talk to the children. He says, wherever you're at, in your house or on the road, meaning in your private life and in your public life, see how God is at work and talk to your kids about how God's at work in your world. When, you're, when, uh, when you lie down and when you get up, basically means every waking minute of your day. Be aware of the way God is at work in the world, and talk to your children. Tie them on your head and on your hands, meaning what you're thinking, may that be consistent with what you're doing. May you live a life of integrity. May your life model a Christ-like lifestyle, and may you talk to your children and impress the teachings of God upon the next generation. See, after Moses says, love God, impress him on the children, the very next thing he says is, have a conversation Talk to your children. Listen to your children. Help them discern these tough questions of adolescence. Now, I know some of the parents here this morning, particularly parents of teens, you're thinking, you know, I have tried that. You know, I just don't think my kids listen to me, right? If I were to take a poll, you don't have to raise your hands and say, you know, I don't think my kids listen to me anymore. You know, we'd raise our hands. Because sometimes we think as parents that we've lost our voice in our children's lives. But according to the research, our kids more than ever before listen and want to listen to their parents and to caring adults. Chap Clark does this research and he talks to kids about who are the voices that they listen to? Who are the most, most influential people in their lives? And he, he, he creates this little pyramid of influence. And the pyramid of influence starts with parents. That parents, according to the research, are still the most influential people in the lives of our young people. Your voice is still very strong, parents. Don't be uh, dismayed. Our children 
hear you. They, they value what you have to say. They listen to your voice. You are the most influential people in your children's lives. Maybe you have to change your authority from positional to personal authority. Maybe there's some adjustments you need to make, but your voice is still the strongest. And then Chap goes on to say, the second is the non-parental committed adults. These are the Sunday school teachers. These are the, the uncles, the aunts, the grandparents. These are the people that are non-parental but committed to the young people. These are the people that were up here already. These volunteers that say, I believe in you. I'm investing in you. I want to see you succeed. And the second or the third level is the non-parental non-committed adults. These are the coaches or the teachers that have your student or have your child for a little while. They're committed, but not totally committed. And they have influence over your children. But the fourth level is the media or the environment. It's the television shows. It's the podcasts. It's the magazines. It's the movies. They have the least amount of influence as it comes to our children. And what our children need the most as they are struggling, as they're trying to figure out life, what our children need the most are parents. Parents that know and understand God's love and then impress that upon their children. And non-parental committed adults, people like aunts and uncles and the church that says, we believe in you, we love you. We want to come alongside what God is doing in your life and speak words to help you overcome the challenges that you face. It's the parents. And it's the church coming together to be that community to help our children grow in the ways of God. See, our parents and our church come together to utilize both strengths in order to help our children walk in the commands of God. See, we at Maple Grove Covenant Church, we believe in our kids and we want to impress the teachings of God in our children. And the way that we do this, we want to equip our parents and impress to, to, to our, so our parents can have authority and knowledge and skills to do it. And we want to create environments for us as a community to experience God together so that you can invest in the children of the church. And we have these things called Fam Jam, and we have other opportunities on Sunday morning and Kids Community Group. And the Northwest Conference of the Covenant Church heard some of the things that we were doing as a church to impress the teachings of God upon our children. And earlier this year, they created a little video about our church. They wanted other churches to see what we we're doing to give them ideas about how the church can influence the next generation. And I want to show you this little five-minute video to help you understand what God's doing in our church as we together seek to impress the teachings of God upon our children. Check out this video. We, like many churches, value our families, and uh, we have this mission to uh, go and love and live, so to go and make disciples, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to live in freedom and community. And so after we created that mission, we said, well, how can we best equip our families to live out the mission of Go, Love, Live? The church has about 50 to 52 hours um, a year to influence the lives of kids. 
and families or parents have 3,000, over 3,000 hours of influence. We spent a lot of time coming up with a strategic plan and, um, and really just organizing the church so that everyone was on the same page. It wasn't that children was trying to reach a certain group and youth was trying to reach another group. It was that the whole church was going to come together. And so what if we just had one message that everybody would rally around? And so we just started to dream and plan and think about creating this seamless environment for our families to engage with God on a Sunday morning. So for example, this month we're doing a series on the Beatitudes. And the same message that I'll be preaching on Sunday morning, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, will be a similar message that the children hear, will be a similar message that our youth hear, will be a similar message that our community groups engage in throughout the week so that there's one message that the children can connect with, that the parents can connect with, that our whole community of faith can dial into and, and grow together. It's really, really helped create a, create the ability to have dialogue within families. I like to challenge the students to say, um, you know, your parents are in a community group, they're being asked questions, you know what those questions are, Ask them at dinner one of those questions. Pick the hardest one. Blow their mind because they're going to freak out that, that you're asking them hard questions. In youth ministry, we used to think if we did a parent meeting at the beginning of the year, parent meeting halfway through the year, uh, and maybe a, a parenting seminar somewhere along the way, we were, we, were, we were helping the parents. But really, now we're trying to help them on a weekly basis. We really prayerfully thought about what's the purpose of our church. And then it was like, what's going to be most effective and the things that we were doing historically were effective in the past and they're not as effective in the present and so what things can we let go of in order to effectively implement a family interaction that includes possibly a meal includes some fun and, and entertaining aspects as well as some strong biblical teaching that people then can take with them. Watching the trends and watching what other churches have been doing well created a fam jam night where young and old uh, people could come, grandparents and young kids, to experience uh, an energetic evening with uh, a biblical teaching. And uh, what we found is, is great success and a synergy with our, uh, our, our families, not only with one another but invited their friends to come. You know, we, we really want families to experience church together. Um, and the reason I like Fam Jam, this may be my personal <laughs> bias towards it, is I don't necessarily like the idea of um, training kids how to sit in a service, but I want kids to be able to bring their families into a service and everyone experience it together. Um, and so that's what Fam Jam is about. It's really more about kids bringing um, their parents to church and yet the whole family being able to experience the same thing um, at one time. It's just done in a, a cr just creative way. So there's um, a lot of high energy singing, music, uh, entertainment, there's comedy, there's biblical teaching within. We have to equip our parents to impress the teachings of God upon our children. We have to create environments for families to gather together to hear those teachings then carry those out so that when they're walking or when they're driving in their car or when they're going down to bed they can have these conversations. I think the biblical mandate is clear and then it's just start the conversation because the, the, the way of segmenting people into different categories for long periods of time misses a huge component 
of family life and holistic family ministry that is, is so needed in our culture today. Isn't that kind of fun to see that? It's fun to see. Yeah, you can clap. Isn't that kind of the church that you want to be part of? This church where we get these, these fam jam dancers up here and then we have, you know, people teaching and there's this meal time and it's just one element. And we're still in process. We're still figuring this thing out. I mean, it's a journey that we're on together, but isn't that the point? That we're on this thing together. We're trying to figure out together how to impress the teachings of God upon our children so we created this fam jam thing. And we've been doing it for a couple of years. And, and then we have our, 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 our education hour for our children. We're now we're trying to integrate into kids' community groups. And we're trying to seek ways to, to, to impress the teachings of God upon our children together because it's our responsibility that God has called us as the people that make up Maple Grove Covenant Church, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to follow God, and then to impress those teachings upon the next generation. I love the way Moses concluded his locker room talk. This final talk that he gave just before he died, his his final words in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 20, he says this, he says, In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of, of these stipulations, decrees, the laws the Lord your God has commanded you? I mean, in the future, when you're in the promised land and your son or daughter comes up from you and says, why do we follow God? Why are we part of a faith community? Why do we attend church? Why do I see you giving of your money, of your time, of your resources for the sake of God's mission in the church? Why are we even part of this faith community? This is what your answer will be. This is how we as the community of faith will answer the questions of our children. Verse 21, tell them, Moses says, that we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders, great and terrible upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. The Lord rescued us. The Lord saved us from slavery. He brought these plagues, these terrible plagues. Oh, it was just horrible. And it fell upon the Egyptians, but it didn't fall on us. God didn't judge us. In fact, God spared us. He goes on to say, but he brought us out from there to bring us and give us the land that he promised us on oath to our forefathers. He didn't send the plagues to kill us. He protected us. He provided for us. In fact, on that last, last plague, we were commanded by God to take a lamb and to, and to kill it and to eat it and to take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorposts of our house. So that when that last plague came over Egypt, we were spared. We hid under the blood of the lamb. And if our children ask us today, why would the people of old you know, hide under the blood of their lamb? Why would they put blood on their doorposts? We can tell them because it points to Jesus. Because Jesus is that sacrificial lamb. John the Baptist says, Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That he came in our place, the plague that we're all affected by death. And he lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death we deserve to die to set us free. To live a life of purpose and of meaning and of love and of compassion in the context of community. So when your children ask you, why do we go to church? 
Why are we a part of a faith community? It's because God came down in human history. Because Jesus came and took our death. He paid our price so that we could live a life of freedom in the context of community. And as we wrap up this series, as we wrap up this morning, I just want to leave you with two questions, and they are simply this. Whose job is it to impress the teachings of God upon our children? It's our job. It's our job. God calls each one of us to play a part in investing in the next generation. And how? How are we to do that? It's real simply. Just just talk. Talk to your children when you're walking along the road. Invest in the kids in the, in the lobby. Volunteer in the children's ministry. Participate in a community group. Do something to end extreme poverty. Talk to your children and your family and the other kids of our church. Impress the teachings of God upon our children. Talk about them. And when we do this, when we follow God's commands, our children will see that. They'll be inspired to follow it. And they'll grow in their relationship with God. And we will experience God's power, God's presence, and God's purposes in our lives. And that's what we want. That's what we all want. In your, in your program, you saw a little uh, sheet this, this morning. It says the Maple Grove uh, Covenant Church Membership. And it's a covenant that we take real seriously. The leadership team put it together. It's a covenant that we want everyone to sign that's a part of our church. And to say, yeah, I want to go. I want to love. I want to live. I want to participate in the movement of God at Maple Grove Covenant Church. I just don't want to sit on the pew, on the bench. I want a part of the body of Christ. And we're encouraging you. There's a pencil there. You can put this, you can sign it right now and put in the offering. Or if you're not a member, you can just sign it and just say, you know what, tell me more. Because I want to be part of the mission of God. I want to be part of the church that sits here at Maple Grove so that we can join more fully. Because here's the truth. You need us and we need you. You need us and we need you. We need to experience this sense of community together. And as we close this series on Locker Room Talks, we end with this phrase that God has called us to live in freedom and community. And we want to participate in that. Next week, we're going to talk more about community. But this week, we just want to celebrate these words found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Impress these on your children. Talk about them when you lie down, when you get up, when you walk along the road, when you're engaging in all of life. Impress, impress the teachings of God upon the next generation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these locker room talks that Jesus gave to his disciples, that Moses gave to his followers, and how you give them to us this morning. We know that we are not here by accident, but by design, that you created us for community. And we thank you for the privilege of adopting us into your family. And we ask, oh, Father, that you would do a work in us so that we could see how you are at work in the lives of the next generation, that we could come alongside that and impress your commands, your teachings upon this next generation for your glory, for our joy, and for the sake of your church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.